Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Jacob Johnson Show. I got a show for you here today. I'm going to go through and explain why I believe the Democrats are so intent on not only keeping the whistleblower identity a secret, but why it is they are conducting all these impeachment inquiries behind closed doors. You know, I got to thinking about it after I was watching an interview that, you know, somebody was giving, you know, and I'll play that clip here for a bit. It's a, you know, kind of a back and forth of both sides trying to give uh, an argument, but they said something that tipped me off, you know, that basically up front, I believe the reason why it's behind closed doors is so that they can manipulate the transcripts of those uh, hearings and use that to manufacture evidence. Now, I know that sounds like a crazy, you know, conspiracy theory, but I actually have some reasonable and logical explanations as to why this would be. Okay, now the Democrats are trying to push their narrative and the Republicans are fighting back. And as the Republicans are fighting back, you know, the Democrats having no arguments or defense against it, you know, can only go through and try and mock it and roll their eyes and try to say like, oh, that is ludicrous. But as we go through here, right, and I lay out my case, you'll understand why it is the Democrats need these inquiries to be behind closed doors. All right, so let's go through here and take a look at some of the battles of the narrative. All right, so we're going to start off here with Newt Gingrich on The View, uh, going through and trying to explain why, you know, it doesn't appear that President Trump had done anything wrong, and then what it is they try to counter with, you know, the mockery and stuff. So let's go ahead and take a look at this clip. We were just talking about this this call with the Ukrainian president. Right. You say it's not an abuse of power no. and that he didn't do anything illegal. I've heard that from a number of people. So explain where you're coming from in that argument. Well, I went back before the show and reread the actual conversation. Mm-hmm. He's asking the brand new reform president to find out what is the truth. Now, it cannot be a crime to try to find the truth. Sure. He didn't yeah. ask. He did not ask. How can it be a crime to find the she truth? She's going to tell you. Uh, <laughs> There are certain tribunals that you can go to. There are investigators that you can go to. You can go to your FBI. But you really can't go to a foreign government as the president to seek the truth because they are not your investigative tool. And, Speaker, if you, you know that. First of all, you know that. But in the, in the conversation, he says, I'm going, to, I'm going to have the attorney general call you and work with you. Yes, the attorney general should also not be working with a foreign government. Of course they should. To investigate political opponent. But it's not investigating a political opponent. That's investigating an allegation of corruption. But he wouldn't know. be doing that if uh, Biden were there, running there for is no, There's no guarantee. Excuse me while I spin. <laughs> you can't announce you're a candidate and then say, therefore, I can't be investigated. Well, he did. <laughs> no, he got investigated anyway. But I, but I guess by, my point. by people I mean, in this but, country, but by the right, by officials in oh, this no, country, right way. And, and officials in this country, yes. and by a British secret agent, and by a whole series of people in Europe. Um, I mean, the whole effort to smear him was a multinational effort. What? Well, oh, my. <laughs> okay, so take a look at that. He's laying out the case here, right? You know, that this is an investigation about corruption. This is an investigation into whether or not the previous administration in Ukraine tried to interfere in the 2016 election to help the Democrats. 
right? And this is also about, you know, whether or not there was abuse of power coming out of the Obama administration and what Biden admitted to on video as to using taxpayer funds to get a prosecutor fired that was investigating the company in which his son serves on the board of. Now, take a look at what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, they're trying to say it's wrong to, you know, elicit the help of a foreign government in an investigation. No, it's not. Actually, that happens all the time. That happened under the Obama administration, Bush, Clinton, and, you know, going back, you know, uh, for decades, you know, there has been a lot of investigations uh, that have involved, you know, uh, the help of foreign governments. In fact, if you take a look at, you know, the U.S. and Ukraine, we actually have a, an agreement, a treaty uh, for the purpose of joint investigations or cooperation and in investigations. How can you say, oh, we got a treaty that says they're going to help us in investigations and then say, well, it's wrong to actually go through and, you know, see if they will cooperate in an investigation by handing over evidence. And then, you know, he goes off and tries to point out this is exactly what the Democrats did to Trump. And they tried to deny it. They're going, well, this is, you know, it was investigated by our people, right? The FBI. And Newt Gingrich pointed out that, no, it wasn't just our FBI. It was a, you know, British spy. It was uh, the Europeans' Five Eyes intelligence community. And it was, you know, sources coming from Russia that it was an international, you know, operation to spy on Trump. And they keep trying to deny that, even though that is undeniable facts, even though the evidence of that has already been admitted to and publicly released. The entire Steele dossier was based off of foreign sources. Right? But they want to go off and act like, you know, nothing, you know, like it's different. You know, when they do it, it's okay. When you do it, it is wrong. Right? When they do it, it's legitimate. When you do it, oh, it must be corruption, right? And they try to go off and rewrite history going through and trying to deny what they have previously admitted to, as if there's no videos of them actually having admitted to everything that, you know, Gingrich, you know, there was saying, you know, and then going off and saying, well, the attorney general, oh, he shouldn't be going off, uh, you know, uh, seeking foreign help in an investigation. Why? It was the Democrats, you know, who wrote a letter to Ukraine, you know, threatening to cut off aid if they didn't cooperate with Mueller. So why is it, you know, that Mueller could seek, you know, information from foreign governments and foreign sources to try and uh, get Trump, but the attorney general can't go to those same sources and figure out whether or not, you know, the Democrats, you know, elicited you know, Ukrainian help in the 2016 election as well, you know, considering that that was why they reported. So they keep trying to go off and deny what they were doing for two years and openly admitting to for two years. Now they're trying to deny it and rewrite history. And they're trying to go off and say, you know, that this is somehow different, right? The only, well, you know, there is a difference. What Trump is investigating, there's actual evidence for actual confessions and admissions too. This is part of the thing that, you know, why people were wondering why Trump allowed the whole Mueller probe and all of that, you know, to go on as long as it did is because he was giving them enough rope to hang themselves. 
giving them enough rope to implicate themselves in various crimes and admit publicly. And now that he's going after them for all those public admissions, but not actually going after them personally. He's investigating the crime to try and see who was all involved, whereas the Democrats try and go after a person and see if they can find a crime. So there's a lot more that goes on uh, with the battle of the narratives, right? And then as we go through here, there's uh, some more information uh, as we go through. So as we take a look in the battle of the narratives, ABC News you know, writes this headline, as Trump says, where's the whistleblower? Dems uh, attempt to keep identity a secret. Now, why is it that the Democrats are so intent on keeping the identity of the whistleblower a secret? Well, the only explanation that I can find is that credibility issues. The whistleblower, if their identity was known, would be lacking credibility. We'd find out what position this person held and whether or not they had any access to the information. Of course, we know uh, from the complaint that it was all based off of rumors and, you know, innuendos, right? That they never actually saw any evidence and they also never witnessed any of the things that they were going off and writing about. And we would also be able to see if we knew the identity, how closely this person worked with, you know, um, Schiff and other Democrats in drafting the complaint. You know, and whether or not this complaint was more of a political hit job to try and abuse position of power to influence the outcome of the 2020 election. Now, as this goes on, you know, odd to say here. Okay, so it's been nearly a month since legislators uh, released the whistleblower complaint uh, that prompted multiple congressional committee probes into President Donald Trump and the administration's actions in Ukraine. The time since that complaint uh, came to light has been a rapid-fire witnesses on Capitol Hill. Now, here's another thing. The speed at which the Democrats have acted since this whistleblower uh, complaint came out only goes off to show that this was more of a political hit job that was all planned out in advance. You know, in advance. And so they already had everything ready to go the moment it came to light, you know, and we do need to know the identity of the whistleblower. Of course, they want to keep the whistleblower's identity a secret because you can't, you know, uh, argue the credibility of a person you don't know, right? So it keeps all the focus on Trump without any of the negative information coming out, you know, that, you know, kind of goes to credibility and credibility does matter especially in light of articles in which they're writing that the deep state isn't some nefarious group of people. It's patriotic uh, citizen who want to help protect this country from Donald Trump. And think about that spin, help protect the country from Donald Trump, as if they know better than the rest of us who went to the polls and voted, right? But apparently they don't agree with how we voted, and so now they need to protect us from ourselves. You know, and so, yes, as we go through and we take a look at, you know, the entire situation, it is undeniable that the credibility of the whistleblower matters, and it matters a lot. But the Democrats, they don't want to admit that, 
in any way, shape, or form. Now, what are some other things uh, at stake here? You know, other issues and problems. Well, we can go through here and, you know, take a look at another article. All right, uh, this one is from NBC News, in which they are going off and admitting that, hey, you know what? Uh, Hunter Biden's uh, legal work in Romania raises new questions about his overseas dealing. And as we go through and we read uh, this particular article, what do we find out? That Hunter Biden seems to have a history of whenever his father's involved in a region, you know, claiming to be going after corruption, Hunter Biden seems to always be in bed with one of the people who are afraid that corruption investigations are going to get them. And therefore, they hire Hunter Biden. And all of a sudden, President, uh, Vice President Biden, you know, Joe Biden, leaves them alone. It's kind of a, an amazing situation. Now, they go off in this article and try and say, well, you know what? You know, that may be all true and, you know, well and good, but there is no actual evidence here of any wrongdoing. Well, how do you know? You know, it hasn't been investigated. So I guess as long as there's no investigation, you're technically never going to see any evidence of wrongdoing. And that's kind of the con game. They want to go off and say, hey, we got these very suspicious and strange situations going on, but, you know, there's no evidence of wrongdoing. But if you investigate, you know, the crime, um, you know, and the allegations, well, then you're abusing power because you're targeting a political opponent to which there's no actual evidence uh, of a problem or, you know, a crime, you know, but here's the thing. You know, in a lot of uh, situations, you know, investigations start based off of allegations, right? You know, we know this. We saw this, you know, in the, you know, Trump-Russia, you know, investigation. And, you know, Newt Gingrich made a very good point that just because you're running for public office doesn't make you immune to prosecution, doesn't make you immune to criminal investigation, and that it didn't make President Trump immune to any uh, investigation or attempts uh, of prosecution, right? And so we go off and we take a look at, you know, all of that. Now, as we go through here and see, you know, a lot of the issues uh, at hand, you know, we also see, um, well, part of the reason why testimonies are behind closed doors. And I'm going to queue up the big one, you know, here uh, pretty soon. But until then, you know, bear with me as I lay this out. You know, and so as we go through here, they were talking about some bombshell testimony from Bill Taylor. You know, and Bill Taylor's testimony reverberating among House Republicans, GOP sources say, reported by CNN. Now, notice that nobody is actually on the record from the GOP in this article saying that it's reverberating. So, you know, who is it? Who's saying that? You know, and whether or not it's true or whether they're just making it up for a great headline. Or maybe it's someone like Mitt Romney who claims to be Mr. Conservative on the campaign trail 
and then create secret Twitter accounts to bash conservatives and Republicans and goes out and sells out every conservative value, every opportunity that he gets. Now, this is, you know, gets to the heart of uh, the problem here. Now, they want to go off and say that, you know, the testimony was a bombshell. They want to say, you know, what the allegations were, you know, and they write all of this. Now, luckily, they do provide a link, you know, to documents that they say is the actual, you know, uh, testimony that was provided. However, there are some problems between what was in writing and what CNN is reporting. And because this was closed door, we can't really sort out the truth because, you know, it's based off of interpretation. You know, because Bill Taylor was not an actual, you know, firsthand witness. The went to uh, the what CNN is saying is the major damaging source, you know, or the major damaging information. So when it gets to the point where you know, beyond investigating corruption, investigating uh, Burisma, when it gets to his statements about, oh, well, he wanted, you know, uh, an investigation into Biden and have it publicly announced, well, he didn't actually hear that himself or witness that himself. He heard it from somebody else, right? Who may, uh, and we don't know where that person heard it from, whether it was directly from the president or not. So again, we got the situation of telephone. We're giving testimony based off of rumor, right? And the entire complaint based off of rumors. Here's the problem with the rumor. The reason why rumors are so bad is, have you ever played that game of telephone, right? Where you get a message uh, and then you tell it to somebody who has to then tell it to somebody else, tell it to somebody else. And by the time it gets to the end, the last person to say what you know, the message was or what it was said does not even come close to mirroring what the original message is. Because every time it goes from person to person, that person filters it, you know, and tries to summarize it to themselves. You know, so they're trying to say that, you know, Trump wanted Biden, you know, investigated and, you know, for the president of Ukraine to go off and you know, make that uh, as a public announcement. Now, did they actually go through and try and say that to the Ukrainians? So let me give you two scenarios here. And we don't know which one of these is true. And that's the problem with how these testimonies are set up, calling people that don't have direct knowledge of the situation, but rumors. And then I'll get to why the Democrats are setting this up this way. So let's say President Trump is in a meeting, and he's just kind of thinking out loud, right? He's going off and, you know, was going off in investigations, and then all of a sudden goes, man, you know, what if, you know, the rumors about Hunter Biden and what Joe Biden, you know, had said on video were true, and the president had come out and stated, you know, that the investigation had led to Joe Biden, and, you know, that was public. Man, that would be great. Now, he's not actually communicating that. He's not actually demanding that. He's just going off thinking out loud, kind of, wouldn't that be funny if that happened? And then somebody in the meeting room goes, man, the president would really like it if, 
you know, um, the president of Ukraine, you know, um, publicly announced that they were investigating Joe Biden, you know, and then the person hearing that goes, oh, my God, the president's, you know, withholding uh, aid until the Ukrainians, you know, um, investigate Biden, you know, and so now that becomes the testimony. But that is far removed from what was actually said. Now, the other scenario is Trump may have said, yeah, we're going to withhold aid until they publicly announce that they're investigating Joe Biden. Now, that is what the Democrats want you to believe happened. But we don't know. We don't know. Because it's all based off all these testimonies, at least, you know, with Bill Taylor and what CNN is reporting. Is based off of rumors and speculation. You know, half the half of his testimony was based off of him saying, "Man, this is not the way I'm used to doing business. Uh, this is not the way you know that we can you know that we engaged in negotiations in the uh, Obama administration. I didn't agree that you know there should be the second line you know of communication working, and that I wasn't fully in the loop. And it's like he's just complaining that." He wasn't, you know, involved in every aspect and wasn't the, you know, guy who was in on everything, you know. So he kind of maybe has, you know, a personal grudge over, or not even a grudge, but he he thinks that his way and the way he's used to doing things, you know, and in, in, engaging in international uh, negotiations, our investigations, our politics you know, is better, you know, uh, than Trump's because his way is how he's always done it. And he's just not, you know, it's one of those situations where the subordinate, you know, just wants to do everything their way and not do anything, you know, on the way that their boss wants to do, you know, and so he seems kind of, you know, just kind of whining and complaining about that. But the most damaging part of, you know, all this testimony is not from things he actually witnessed or saw or, you know, anything, but rather based off of things he heard other people claim. And this is the reason for the closed-door hearing. Because the leaks are selective. The leaks, you know, the testimony given, you know, doesn't really have a whole uh, ability to, you know, push back on. For instance, we got, you know, what the claim testimony is from this guy, right? But we don't know what was actually said under questioning, right? You know, because the person can give testimony and questioning, but then their statements and all that can completely fall apart when asked simple follow-up questions like, hey, did you actually, you know, hear this yourself from the president? No? Oh, well, then... How do you know any of that's true? You know, and his entire thing goes apart. So it's all one-sided, right? Now, there are, you know, other accusations about what's going on in these testimonies. Because remember, the Democrats, they get to choose who's going to testify. And the Republicans can't bring up any witnesses. So why are the Democrats choosing people that don't actually have direct first-hand knowledge of the major accusation, but rather only have heard rumors about it. We'll get to that uh, here in a moment as well. You know, in fact, well, actually, 
I believe uh, this video uh, perfectly uh, sums that up. Have you attended all these interviews so far? Yes, I have. Okay. I've actually been in a room more than Chairman Schiff has. Wow. Um, give our viewers a characterization for how you believe this is going so far and where you believe I, it's headed. Uh, there was absolutely no quid pro quo linking aid to Ukraine to an investigation into the Bidens. Uh, there has been so many allegations that have been made launched towards the president uh, that really has been obliterated by the testimony that's been given. I can only speak about the two transcribed interviews. I'm not allowed to speak about the depositions that have taken place, the substance of them. But I will tell you that there is nothing from anything that I've heard that you could possibly impeach the president of the United States for. Okay. So they got that. Now he goes on uh, to say that the Democrats are trying to creatively connect uh, dots that are not connected. But think about that. He's not allowed to speak about anything related to the deposition. And yet, you know, the Democrats are leaking, you know, selectively in order to create a narrative. And while he may know that that narrative is completely false, he's not really allowed to talk much about it. You know, this allows them to control the narratives, provide the selective leaks, and then for the media to report on uh, the, the selective leaks, but without hearing any of the follow-up questions or anything that completely debunks the narrative uh, that the liberals are going. And the liberals are now trying to go off and say, well, you know, this is like grand jury, which, you know, impeachment inquiries are not like grand juries. They've always, in the past, been conducted out in the open and bipartisan. And bipartisan you know, to uphold ethical standards. This is a partisan inquiry led solely by the Democrats who are controlling who's allowed to testify, who's not allowed to testify, and the line of questioning. And that is important when it comes to the transcripts, right? Now, remember, this behind all closed doors is all about manipulating the transcript. Now, the liberals' uh, defense of this process goes something like this. Republicans are trying to turn this into a story about process. They're trying to argue that Democrats are doing all of these interviews behind closed doors, that they're blocking Republicans, the public, from seeing, uh, seeing what's happening here. Uh, the reality of the situation is that there are Republicans who are on the relevant committees who are able to be in these, these closed-door interviews. There are Republicans who have been in these closed-door interviews. But Republicans right now feel like their strongest argument is to focus on the process of the impeachment inquiry rather than the substance of people it. in order to serve in Congress in 2016 when Democrats held a 26 hour protest on the Senate floor over gun control remember the sit-in I thought it was party politics optics uh, just simply for protests and sake of the cameras like Abby like you're saying and I think Democrats shouldn't be doing it Republicans shouldn't be doing it I think we elect you to get your freaking job done one way or the other and when you're sitting on a sit-in for 20 26 hours, or you're doing what Republicans did yesterday, it's the reason why Congress has a 13% approval yeah. rating. Okay, so Megan McCain is a complete and total idiot. You know, uh, we'll go ahead and say that front, but they're trying to go off and say, well, it's to complain about the process, and now to complain about the substance. Well, one, we don't know about the substance because it's all behind closed doors, right? It's kind of hard to talk about substance when you don't even know what is actually being said. Now, Megan McCain is going out and saying, well, we, you know, this is all about showboating, cameras, blah, 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 blah. 
Well, this is actually about drawing attention to massive corruption of the Democrats and their abuse of power and how they're going through and trying to conduct these secretive you know, inquiries in a way that defies all precedent and all ways in which impeachment inquiries have been handled in the past. Now, when we go through here, how else are you supposed to really draw attention you know, to just how corruptly these impeachment inquiries are being operated if you just sit by, do nothing, and, you know, sit on your hands and, you know, whatnot, right? You need to draw attention to this. Otherwise, the media is just going off and promoting the narrative based off of selective leaks without any real counter uh, to it. And they just want you to accept the narrative, right? They want you to accept the narrative without question. but. As we go through here, you know, and we realize that the Republicans, you know, okay, yeah, there's maybe a couple of Republicans on the committee. They have been muzzled. They're not allowed to talk. They're not allowed to counter, you know, the leaks uh, that the Democrats are engaged in. They're not allowed to talk about anything. Heck, I'd be surprised if they're even allowed to ask questions in the hearing. So having someone, you know, in the room and then saying, oh, you can't say anything, you can't ask any questions, and then going, well, you know, we have participation, you know, we have Republicans in these hearings. They're just not allowed to ask questions or allowed to talk about it. Yeah, that's not really an argument. That's not really saying that this is being done in some bipartisan manner uh, that allows, you know, fair, open, and transparent, you know, you know, inquiries or hearings. But this next clip, pay attention to the ending, right? And then I will give you my analysis about why these closed-door hearings are purposely designed to be able to manipulate the transcript in order to manufacture, you know, the claim that there is evidence against the president. All right? So go ahead and listen closely. You know, in all previous presidential impeachment inquiries, there's been a full vote by the House and rules of fairness and due process were established. That has been thrown out the window here. Secrecy is anathema to this uh, process uh, of due process. Accountability and transparency is fundamental in any democracy. And we're not seeing it here. Witnesses are being threatened with obstruction if they don't appear, being told they can't bring counsel. Americans are left in the dark. Republicans are deprived of their right uh, to call witnesses under subpoena. This is not a fair process. So, Ethan, is it better for the Democrats to take away some of these arguments from the White House, from the president, from Republicans, by opening this thing up? If the evidence is so overwhelming against the president, why not? And the testimony is so bad for him. Why not open it up so that everybody can have a look at what's going on? Yeah, when the investigation is complete, that's exactly what will happen. Okay. Okay. So, what do we got here? We got the Democrats, or the Republican pointing out, that Republicans aren't allowed to call witnesses under subpoena. The witnesses that are being called by the Democrats can't have lawyers. Uh, they're being threatened uh, to have to appear and all of that, which, you know, is very corrupt. I mean, this is the way, you know, uh, banana republics in third world countries run by authoritarian dictators operate. You know, now, when he goes off and goes, well, when it's all over, you know, that that will be done, you know, that will be released and all of that. So, 
you know, let's take a look here at why this is all done to manipulate the transcripts. Okay, so the Democrats call up, you know, their witnesses, right? Now, these witnesses appear to be people who aren't firsthand knowledgeable, but heard a rumor, you know, about what the president said, heard a rumor about what the president wanted. And these people are career, you know, uh, diplomats. These people are, you know, career public servants who have probably gone through and testified, you know, uh, uh, Congress and, you know, hearings before. They know how politicians operate. And we know how they operate because we can take a look at past hearings that have been done in the open. What happened? The Dem, you know, the Democrats and even Republicans, they ask leading questions, you know, like, would you agree that, you know, a quid pro quo is wrong? You know, and, you know, the person would go, yes, yeah, right? And then they're cut off, right? Now, the transcript would, you know, read those statements, and the media would be go, well, they agree that President Trump engaged in a quid pro quo, and then that was wrongfully, right, is how they can spin it. But let's take a look at it like this. If you know how politicians like to phrase their question, you know that they have an intent not for truth, but to try and lead you to say what they want you to hear, right? And let's say you're sympathetic towards that political party. Well, you're going to write your answers that, you know, in such a way that avoids you lying under oath, but you know in how you phrase your answer and develop your answer how to give those politicians the right moment to interrupt you, right? Now, hear me on this, right? Because we've seen this. You can go back and take a look at the transcripts of a previous hearing and then watch the video, and you get two entirely different readouts of what actually happened, right? So I'll give you a very basic example here. So let's say the leading question is, hey, when did, uh, well, let me translate this up for this particular scenario. Let's say they were going after Trump. They were interviewing a witness and they go, hey, when did uh, President Trump uh, stop beating his wife? Right now, it's an accusation hidden as a question. And the person goes off, goes and says, well, I don't know. I never. And then they're cut off. Right. Well, the transcript is going to read, you know, when asked when President Trump stopped beating his wife, the answer was, I don't know, I never, you know, or he never, you know. And let's say, yeah, let's replace I with he. He goes, he never, right? Now, he may have, you know, if allowed to continue, uh, would have said he never beat his wife, to my knowledge. But because he was interrupted, the transcript would read, I don't know, he never. Right, and then they can creatively spin that, you know, into the argument that President Trump beats his wife and never stops, you know, to this day. But if you were to watch the video of the testimony, you would see that the person was, in fact, interrupted. You would be able to see whether or not they tried to push back to finish the question or finish answering the question. And this is important to manipulating the transcript because they call up 
witnesses. You know, they, you know, the Democrats are the only ones allowed to call witnesses here. So they know that they, you know, who to call up that based off of their past interactions is more favorable to the Democrats. The person that they call up may know how to, you know, phrase questions, such as to give the Democrats, you know, uh, great points in which to interrupt them and may not fight back against that interruption. And it's a way to, you know, to go through and have the witness go, well, I didn't lie. Well, you said this and it was debunked. It's like, well, that's not what I was saying. I was trying to explain my side and they interrupted me. So I can't. You know, so you can't call it a lie that I was interrupted before I could give a complete answer. That's the you know excuse that was given if they were caught lying. But this ability to not only phrase the question, but to be able to go off and interrupt the person at a great moment that gives you the soundbite, uh, or not, not in this case, not the soundbite, but gives you the interruption and the answer to cut um, off the rest of the answer in the transcript and then move on to the next question. And the next question would be based off of that and go, well, if you are saying this, then, you know, and that. And because there's no video of this, because it's all behind closed doors, we don't know how much they were interrupted. We don't know if they were trying to fight back in order to finish answering the question. We don't know if they were, uh, if the witnesses were cross-examined by the Republicans to clarify answers, you know, later on. And that's why this is all behind closed doors, because previous hearings that the Democrats have engaged in, you know, have gone badly for the Democrats. You know, we could see how they, you know, attacked the witness and kept cutting them off when they got the soundbite, and then we could see the media taking the clips, you know, of the soundbite, and then when they were cut off, that was the end of the clip. There was no showing any attempts, you know, at them to finish answering the question, you know, and so that became the soundbite, and then that became the headline, and even though that wasn't what the person was actually trying to say or communicate, but it was just because they were interrupted at the prime opportunity when the ever so, you know, uh, narrative-driven Democrats, you know, heard something that they could use, you know, as a clip, you know, that they knew would be the perfect time to cut the person off. And again, check this out. Go back uh, to previous hearings. Listen to the question and then listen to where the person answering was interrupted. And then go back and take a look at the media outlets playing clips of that and how they were able to manipulate that clip. Now, the difference being is that in those uh, public hearings, people could go back and take a look at the whole conversation, take a look at the entire answer of the question. You know, go back and see when they were interrupted and blocked from answering when it seemed like they were about to veer to an answer that the Democrats didn't like. Or even on the Republican side, you can see, you know, Republicans, when the person started, you know, said something that they thought would make a great soundbite and then was going to about uh, veer off course and change the entire narrative, they were cut off as well. 
you know, but in public hearings, we can go back and we can listen. We can see for ourselves. Here behind closed doors, the transcripts are not going to tell you when the person was cut off and prevented from providing a full answer or a full explanation to the answer. And the media is going to take a look at that, and they're going to take a look at snippet of that. Even if the transcript did provide any indication that the person was cut off, they're not going to include that in the media reports. They're going to go, this is a direct quote. And then they're going to leave out, well, the transcripts would indicate the person was interrupted. And then they go, well, and then when asked this, this was the response. But was the response, the accurate, you know, uh, as it's recorded in the transcript, accurate? Was the person able to provide the full answer? And that's why this is behind closed doors. Because they know they have nothing. So they have to figure out a way to manufacture, you know, uh, their claim. Or manufacture, you know, uh, some semblance that what they are claiming has any truth in reality. And they can't do that out in public. It's hard to manufacture evidence in the spotlight of the public eye. But if you're doing it behind closed doors and you can manipulate, you know, uh, the questions asked, you get to, you know, cherry pick your witnesses and you get to just cut them off whenever you want in their questioning. And the transcripts are only going to provide what they said before they were cut off and not provide any indication that. They were blocked from actually providing full, complete answers. Well, that's easy to manipulate. That's easy to create a narrative in the transcript, a fictional narrative in the transcript, and be able to still claim that there was no perjury, that there was no lying. And, you know, then go off and ignore the fact that all of your witnesses are not not firsthand. You know, that these are all people talking about rumors, you know, talking about, you know, they heard from somebody else this, who may have heard from somebody else. But it's all about the transcripts for the closed door hearing and their ability to manipulate what the transcripts say by not just their line of questioning, but by where they interrupt the answer. And we're not going to be able to see how much they were interrupted versus how much uh, of the transcript is complete full answer. It's manipulation. There's always a con with the Democrats. There's always an angle. There's always a scam in just about everything that the Democrats do. Okay. So as we go on and we take a look at, you know, uh, the situation uh, further, you know, we realize that, you know, the Democrats, well, you know, their whole line of inquiry and, uh, and their process defies our democracy and defies precedent over a previous impeachment inquiry. So uh, the Hill here is reporting. You know, how the 2019 impeachment proceedings defy our democracy. Now, it goes on uh, to report, you know, picture a court where there are no juries, the doors are closed to the public, and the judge has predetermined your guilt. 
In this court, there are no appeals, and the secret proceedings are unchecked by any other branch of government. These star chamber courts were once popular vehicles for the British monarchy to expedite legal conflicts outside of common law courts. King Charles um, you know, the first abused this court system to circumvent Parliament and accomplish his own agenda. The corrupt star chambers were eventually abolished by Parliament in 1641. Now the char- star chambers have made a comeback. And this is important, you know, as we go through and we take a look at, you know, the entirety of the situation, right? The star chambers, you know, secret proceedings, you know, the, you know, um, only one side, you know, controls who has lawyers, who doesn't have lawyers, you know, who testifies, who doesn't testify. The outcome has been predetermined. And so now it's about pressuring, coercing and threatening witnesses to say what it is that you want him to say. You know, and that's what this resembles. This is why in a democracy, everything, everything is supposed to be transparent in the light of day. Everything is supposed to be going off and, you know, where the public has the ability to see everything that's going on so that they know what is and isn't truth. But we don't see that here. We don't see that. We see the Democrats once again operating government in the shadows, trying to hide from public scrutiny. Why is that? If they actually believe they had the goods, why wouldn't they want it to be out in the open, transparent, public? Hmm? It's a very good question. And it all goes back to what I was you know, saying before. It's about manipulating the transcript so that they can manufacture, you know, a claim that doesn't actually meet reality. Now, we also get uh, reporting here uh, from Politico, you know, impeachment timeline in flux as evidence against Trump piles up. So here it is, you know, the media outlets haven't actually seen any, you know, evidence. You know, they're going off based off of, you know, selective leaks and just you know, rumors that they are hearing from the Democrats, and then they are just going off and saying, oh, this must be true. You know, we're not even going to question the legitimacy of the claims being made here. You know, and when we go through uh, uh, this article, you know, in the timeline, this is what the Democrats really want most of all, is for this to drag on, never-ending, just like they dragged on, you know, the Trump-Russia um, hoax, you know, such that it lasted through the 2018, you know, election cycle and the constant investigations, the constant media reporting and the selective leak, you know, led to the Democrats being able to retake the House by creating a false perception that the president had done something illicit. They're hoping to be able to do the same here whereby they go off and they make all of these claims and selective leaks to try and make it seem like President Trump has done something wrong, has done something illicit, and that you know they're going to be able to win 2020 either by getting public support for an impeachment based off of, well, manipulated you know, uh, claims and transcripts, you know, or 
they're going to get the public to vote for a Democrat by creating this narrative. The Democrats are all about narratives. They don't care about the fact. They only care about what narrative can they write? What narrative can they claim? And when you understand that, it's pretty easy to find and point out the con jobs that the Democrats are engaged in. Okay. So uh, there are several other things uh, that I want to get to outside of the impeachment inquiries, right? So we go off here and we see Bernie Sanders, <laughs> Bernie, uh, unveils plans to legalize marijuana, invest tax revenues, and minority businesses. Okay, there's a few things uh, to unpack here. So of course the Democrats want to legalize marijuana. Because they know nobody in their right mind is going to vote for the Democrats. So, legalizing marijuana is a way to get around that particular problem. But he wants to go off and say, well, we're going to end tax, uh, tax um, you know, revenues uh, from the sale of marijuana and invest in minority businesses. So, again, you know this is, uh, has a lot to do uh, with taxes, raising funds. But this whole invest in minority businesses uh, issue here, this is a bit of a problem. Yeah, I know you can probably hear the keyboard there. Uh, but this is a bit of a problem because now they are specifically using tax and tax policies to invest or to you know, benefit people, not based off of a situation, but based off of skin melanin, you know, your skin color. You know, so we're going to tax everybody. But only the people with certain skin color is going to get, you know, a benefit, you know, from that uh, particular re uh, tax revenue, you know, or that we're going to go off and manipulate, you know, um, you know, the economy, you know, so that only certain people with skin color is going to win in the economy or, you know, be kept afloat, you know, uh, while other people, not so much, are we're going to give th this group of people an unfair advantage with tax money. You know, I mean, their government policy should not have anything to do with skin color whatsoever. Right? Let's just make that clear. It should have nothing to do with skin color. But now, you know, knowing that people in the right mind won't vote for Democrats, they got to get you out of your right mind. So they're going through and, you know, trying to get everybody high, which also means there's few people paying attention to the Democrats, which allows corruption uh, to continue at an unprecedented rate. Now, encounter here, all oh, these, these next two things are awesome. These next two items are, are just great. Uh, so Trump orders his you know, uh, other government agencies to let subscriptions to certain uh, news outlets expire, right? So he goes off and says the Washington Post and the New York Times. He's saying, don't renew the subscription. Don't go off, hey, we're going to save money and all that. But think, think about that for a moment. He is now saying, hey, don't subscribe, you know, or don't renew your subscription to these uh, outlets. They're fake news anyways. You know, they're, and which, you know, the majority of what they report is, you know, crap, you know, but, you know, they're going off and, you know, really taking it uh, to the media saying, hey, you're going to be biased, unfair, and report, you know, rumors and fiction. 
well, we're just not going to renew our subscription to you. This is a free market. And while people want to go out and make complaints based off of that, I want to know where in any law does it say that the government must subscribe to a public newspaper or that the you know government must subscribe to this particular newspaper? In fact, why is the government subscribed to any newspapers? Right? Why is the government spending money on newspapers? These are supposed to be independent journalists. Right? Why isn't that anybody who wants to read that particular newspaper, you know, and say they like that particular newspaper, why isn't that they just don't buy it out of their own pocket for themselves to read? Why is the government, I mean, I love this because, you know, it points out, you know, that, you know, these are fake news uh, outlets, that they've abandoned any journalistic integrity, and that it's saving the, the government, you know, money. But it also points out, uh, you know, why. You know, um, you know, and starts asking questions about why it is we're even having government agencies subscribe to these papers. You know, it makes no sense. It's a it's a waste of money. It's a waste of government money. But the you know newspapers they love it because they're getting taxpayer money. You know, uh, for subscriptions to their paper. You now it, it is just. You know, some of the stuff here, you know, all of the waste and abuse, you know, uh, in government. And then to find out that they're wasting money on newspapers while they are borrowing money, you know, increasing debt in order to, you know, pay for social welfare programs. Cut out the non-essentials. All non-essentials. Now, I don't think he should have stopped at the Washington Post and New York Times. I think he should cancel all newspaper subscriptions for the federal government, including the Wall Street Journal. The government and taxpayer funds should not be paying for newspaper subscription. Just my opinion here. Now, the last thing I want to get to today, and this is funny. This is Trump, you know, uh, at troll level 10, right? This is Trump going off and going, hey, you know, I'm going to troll my rival. And I'm the master troll. So what did Trump do? Okay, so Trump goes off and Trump campaign snaps up website name for Biden's Latino outreach effort. Okay, so this goes off and shows you just how bad Biden is at politics. Okay, so Biden announces the name of his Latino outreach effort. But he announces it before he himself buys the website domains for it, right? And so uh, Trump, you know, and his team, they bought up the name uh, of, the, of it. You know, so when people go and visit Todos con Biden, you know, which is Spanish for all with Biden, you know, instead of going to a site for Biden, you know, promoting Biden's views, agendas, and initiatives, what happens? Well, what happens is they get directed to a website in which, you know, Trump is standing over Biden, you know, going, you know, making a snide comment and then redirects them to uh, Trump's Latino outreach page. So let's go ahead and uh, follow this link for a moment and see if it is still up because this is just awesome. Okay, so. You know, we're going ahead, we're loaning it, 
Oops. <laughs> and it's all in Spanish. Joe forgot about Latinos. Joe is all talk. <laughs> oh, this is great. This is amazing. This is Trump troll level factor a thousand. You know, Biden launches this initiative, forgets to buy the website domain. Trump team does. And so now when people go to the uh, website domain for uh, Biden's Latino outreach, they get a, oops, Joe forgot about Latinos. Yes, this is why we love Trump. He knows where there's opportunities. He knows where there is a great uh, time to humiliate his political opponents. And the, the this has got to be one of the best troll stories of all time. Okay, so I'd like to thank you uh, so much uh, for your time and attention. I hope uh, you've gotten a lot out of this episode and that now you see how the closed-door hearings are there uh, and specifically designed to manipulate the transcripts to create a narrative to support impeachment. Um, if you want to be able to see more videos and, hey, help me you know, to you know, uh, take this full-time and be able to get into a much better studio, you know, where I could probably find a way to get rid of the green screen or maybe just have like some sort of Titan Tron type thing, uh, you know, uh, as I go through so I can, you know, do the whole switching, you know, uh, to the web pages and still be on screen. You know, if you want to help me be able to take this full time, you know, and be able to hire, you know, staff and, you know, uh, upgrade studios and, take the website, you know, out uh, to being able to provide a lot of content, then I would appreciate if you take a look at the links in the description below for ways that you can donate and contribute to the show and share this uh, content, whether it's on YouTube or whatever other video platforms that you're on, or whether you're listening to the audio version of this show, you know, go ahead and take it, share it with other people and, you know, see uh, what they think. Get into a discussion, right? Don't just take my word and my opinions. Remember, I'm not a journalist. I'm here providing you opinions on what I see going on in the news. And so get a discussion going on. But if you want to learn how to contribute, take a look at the links in the description below. I thank you so much for your time and attention. And I will be back again soon.